Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of Weigh In Sports Talk. I am your horse host, Brian Tarvin. I'm sorry, my voice. Uh, it may sound deeper than normal, which which may be a good thing, Jonathan. But we've been we've been gone for a week, so um, missed you, man. I know you missed me, right? Oh, always. I know, man. It seems like a lot's happened in the sports world, but. Last week, I was being honored as a godfather, so I couldn't make it in time to, to make the show. But, man, Jonathan, what a tournament. It's been boring at times. It's been lively at times. But I didn't see last night coming, man. I did not see Villanova winning by 40 points over Oklahoma. Did you see that coming? Or, or say, say, say yes so I can call you a liar real quick. Uh, yeah, sure, I saw it coming. <laughs> I, I mean, um, well, as as my uh, as my account can prove, I did not see that coming. Uh, that that game took a solid whop into me. Um, what a what a shooting performance though at the end of the day by Villanova. I mean, it's it you know it's very easy to beat somebody by forty plus when you just don't <laughs> miss. Yeah, it, it really is. And Jonathan, can you hear me okay? Oh, of course. Okay, good. Yeah, that's the thing. In my lifetime, and I know they were the, the Villanova back in the final four years and years ago, they did shoot 78%. But in my life, I've never seen a team shoot that good. Man. That was just everything that they shot was finding a home. And you can't, I don't care who would have played Villanova last night. Would you agree that? Nobody in the country could have beaten Villanova last night. But, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about tomorrow night, but do you think anybody last night could have beaten Villanova in the country? Uh, no, I don't. I agree with you. I think uh, Villanova would have doormatted anybody they had played. That that performance was – it was exceptional. It really was. Um, you know, I can't tell you the last time I saw a team who really throughout the whole tournament has shown this kind of prowess and this – is dominance when it comes uh, to to shooting the ball. I mean, it's it's unreal and it's it's pretty fun to watch. And how about their intensity? Once they were up thirty to forty points, I mean, they kept playing. I mean, they didn't ease up off of uh, Oklahoma. They kept bringing the pressure. I kind of like that. I do. If you wanna if you wanna not get blown out, do something about it. But we're going to continue to play our game. But again, everything was falling for these guys. It was like they would dribble into the lane, stop, look for a couple of minutes to see who nobody was open, and throw it up and hit it. And the three-point shots were amazing as well. And, and tomorrow night, we're looking at a matchup, and it, it kind of reminds me of Wisconsin Kentucky last year. How Wisconsin beat Kentucky 
and then in the championship game they were they were cold against Duke and they lost. But I think tomorrow night's game's intriguing and the stats are even just about except one thing I wanted to bring up to you, Jonathan, or two things. Villanova is shooting in this tournament about fifty percent from the three point line, where North Carolina is shooting thirty five. But the rebounds per game, North Carolina a dominant edge thirty nine to thirty. I think that's where the game's going to be won tomorrow night is on the glass. And I think North Carolina has a huge advantage. But if, if Villanova's not missing, rebound won't matter. But North Carolina struggled shooting threes. I think Villanova better be boxing out and doing an exceptional job of only giving North Carolina one chance at each time they come down the court and quit giving them three and four times like other teams have. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, we saw it last night. Uh, with Syracuse, uh, North Carolina didn't hit a three until late in the second half. Uh, but it was the fact that Bryce Johnson and uh, Kennedy Meeks just kept cleaning up the boards. I mean, Kennedy Meeks had a phenomenal game. Uh, this is something that ever since uh, his injury, uh, fans have been waiting for. And, you know, he really turned it on last night. I think that there is an edge inside for North Carolina. Because Villanova has a very good big man, don't get me wrong. But North Carolina has two that they can throw at him, and I think he'll get frustrated. And uh, at the end of the day, I think North Carolina will ha- have a successful chance of dominating the boards in this game. And foul trouble. What if Villanova gets in foul trouble, Jonathan, with the big man? What do they do? And that that's what you see in games. This magnitude, the, the nerves get you. People start playing playing a little different. What if Villanova gets in early foul trouble down low in North Carolina and just exploits that? That worries me a little bit, being a Villanova fan. The line's two and a half. North Carolina's favored, and I'll be honest, I, I like North Carolina in this game because of just man for man, I think they're deeper. I think they're just a better team. What do you think early projection? I mean, who do you like in this game? Uh, so I thought North Carolina was gonna make uh, was you know make some noise and make the Final Four from the get. It's actually my only Final Four team um, that has survived at this point. Um, so I, I definitely think that they're gonna go ahead and pull this one off. In all honesty, uh, it's a great run for Villanova. We've seen two dominant basketball teams uh, just take control of this tournament in a tournament that you know people were worried about it. You know, it gets boring and it wasn't fun and the games were out of hand. You're like, well, you're just seeing two phenomenal teams, two teams that are showcasing greatness at the end of the day. And I think Villanova's hot streak runs out shooting-wise. I think um, North Carolina can beat their defense. We saw how they handled Syracuse's defense last night. They actually had a great success against that zone and then had even more success against the press. So I don't know if there's anything Villanova can do defensively. Uh, Marcus Page is going to be huge in this game, just like the Indiana game. If Marcus Page comes out firing, this game will be over by halftime. This will remind you of the North Carolina-Michigan State national title uh, in Detroit. I believe that was 2009. Let's talk about the Syracuse Orangemen just a minute. I know everybody's celebrating them like they did something great, but but, Jonathan, let's let's look at the road of Syracuse just a moment. I know you're an ACC guy, but they, they beat Dayton, you know, seven seed Dayton. Remember, Syracuse is a 10 seed. They beat Middle Tennessee State, which was a 15 seed. They beat Gonzaga, 11 seed. But they did beat Virginia. I'll give them that. They beat them by six. But, I mean, did, did the Final Four 
Lucem last their last night having Syracuse in the Final Four and not like a Virginia, somebody that or Michigan State. Wouldn't you rather have seen Michigan State and North Carolina last night than Syracuse? Uh, yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I would have. Um, but I, I think looking at it, if it had been a 10 seed and with a different name than Syracuse, if it had been, let's say, Dayton as that 10 seed, or Gonzaga, or Wichita, somebody at you know, a smaller school, would we have been more intrigued? Yes. I think the problem was Syracuse was a 10 seed that made that run. And Syracuse was also a team that a lot of people felt shouldn't have even been in the tournament. Uh, so I, I definitely think that a lot of our problem with it was the fact that there was a majority of the college basketball fan base that felt Syracuse shouldn't have been there. And then you know, when they got there, it was, well, they didn't have to play Michigan State. Well, they didn't have to play Utah. You know, it was, Well, they beat Virginia. Okay, we'll give them that one. Virginia gave that game away, though. You know, nobody ever really looked at Syracuse and said they won a game. You know, and I think the thing about Syracuse is they've been boring in how they've won. In which case, they've got they've been down late in games and just made comebacks. And you know, it's they're not a team that you enjoy watching for a full forty minutes. It's really the last five minutes of uh, their victories that <laughs> is, that really you know captivated audiences. So you know, I think and if it had been a different North name, Carolina we would have been intrigued. Night, and they scared yeah. North Carolina when they cut that lead to seven last night, didn't they? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, you know, definitely. Uh, made them nervous. You could see it in the first half how North Carolina was kind of uh, a little shaky about the fact they weren't really pulling away with it. And the second half when Syracuse went on that run, you could see the the bench for North Carolina start to have that nervous energy to them, doing the whole uh, we're not they're not going to Virginia us, are they? It was you know Syracuse just would not die. It, it was really, you know, if you look at it, it was really something else how they got there. It's really impressive. You know, and it's just a testament to really how good of a coach Beheim truly is. And I, I think, honestly, he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. I agree. I was going to say that. When you when you talk about, when you when you hear college basketball, you, you think Mike Krzyzewski, right? I mean, that's the first thing you think of probably when you, when you, mm-hmm. when you hear the word college basketball, but Jim Beheim's right in that category. And uh, I just, just what he's done every year. I mean, he's always got a team. As a 10th seed, Syracuse comes in here, and all these people that were griping and complaining they didn't belong. Well, how many of those other teams that were on the bubble, Jonathan, would have made it to the Final Four? Oh, very few, if any. I mean, I honestly doubt that any of them would have. And that's where Syracuse kind of wins that argument. And that's why when you're on the bubble, I think this is a valuable lesson for people that are trying to predict the brackets in the committee or what the committee's thinking. If it's coming down to Syracuse and it's coming down to some mid-major team, yeah, Syracuse didn't do great in the ACC, but yet the ACC was the best conference. So this is going to, next year, it's going to play a big part in the selection process, wouldn't you think? When you when you see a, a team from a, a major conference on the bubble against another small team, they're going to take the big team every time because of what Syracuse did last or, or for the uh, tournament. I agree. I think that uh, Syracuse really made a, a good case for uh, those bubble teams from the major conferences. Uh, it definitely hurt the the mid majors more than they would like to admit. Um, and at the same time, though, we do have to look at some of those last four teams that got in, 
And, you know, Vanderbilt probably hurt the SEC's case as far as getting at large bids. Um, they really did, by the way, that Wichita shellacked them. Yeah, Kentucky um, getting slapped in the face by Indiana to me, I think that's, that's your that's your yeah. conference champ getting slapped in the face by Indiana. Oh, and, you know, and people talk about how great of a comeback the A and M game was. They were still down quite a bit to Northern Iowa. I mean, let's not forget that Northern Iowa, I mean, for for all intents and purposes, had that game wrapped up. So I think the they SEC had a hundred percent chance to win. That game yep. with what was it? A minute left. They Thirty-one seconds. Yeah, and it was, and they lost. But, but let's look real quick, Jonathan, at the road. These these champions have come. Villanova, UNC, Asheville, no problem there. Played a, a tough Iowa team, beat them by nineteen. Had to play a good Miami team out of the ACC, blew them out, skull drug them, and then they played Kansas. And that was a low-scoring game, but what a game it was, beating Kansas 64-59. to 59. So, if you look at battle test at Villanova, I would say yes. Carolina beat FGCU. Uh, they beat Providence. They beat Indiana. They beat Notre Dame. And last night, they beat Syracuse. So, I look at North Carolina in this tournament, and they really haven't had to play a game yet, in all honesty. Who has really challenged North Carolina? They played a 16 seed, a 9 seed, a 5 seed, a 6 seed, and then they play a 10 seed. So you tell me which team is is playing better in this tournament and has earned the right to be there. Uh, I would say Villanova's had a tougher road. Uh, I do not disagree with that uh, at all. Um, I think Villanova's been more impressive in their road because, I mean, other than the Kansas game, they've been slow-drugging people. Uh, you know, and like you said, I was a tough team, and they just waxed them. Uh, they did a good job, and, and all honesty, that Kansas game, yeah, it was a low-scoring game. Uh, you know, it, it was a tight finish, but they had control for the majority of that game. Uh, you know, it was it was really you know Villanova just they, they're hot like nobody's business from outside the arc. I mean, there there have been games where they're shooting better from three than they are from the field. And that's just something that you just don't you don't see too often. You know, they're doing a very good job defensively. I mean, you know, one of Villanova's biggest knocks was that oh well they're soft and defensively they're they know that they're not very good. And this is a team that has proven that, you know, this year, you know, whether it's offensively, defensively, they're more than just a one trick pony. And, you know, this is no longer the Dan Tony Sons of college basketball. You beat Oklahoma by 44. 44 points. I mean, that's, nobody could have done that last night. Nobody. And, and you, you know what I thought hurt Oklahoma, Johnson? For a week, you know, that week layoff, that week layoff, and they got told how great their player was. You know, they had the best player in the country, blah, blah, blah. And Villanova remembers that thrashing they took to Oklahoma, or, yeah, Villanova remembered the thrashing they took to Oklahoma early in the season. How much did that play into it? The media hopping Oklahoma all weekend, Oklahoma just beating the crap out of them in Hawaii earlier. Um, I think it had a lot to do with it. Um, I, I think that 23-point beatdown early in the season had a lot to do with it. And I had people telling me, well, you know, these are different teams. I go, well, they're, they're upperclassmen, uh, you know, very – 
relied on upperclassmen teams. These aren't different teams. They haven't changed. Villanova's been the same team, in all honesty, for a couple of years now. It, it was just that because they're upperclassmen, they learned from that loss. They got better. They they knew what their weaknesses was. They they knew what they had to do to beat them the second go around. You know, and Buddy Heald, as as great of a player as he has been all season, he was a non-factor for the majority of that game. Um, and I think that was very telling. Now, at the same time, you know, you I, you know, watching the game, his teammates didn't exactly help him out. Um, you know, you had a couple of them who couldn't hit threes to save their life or wouldn't stop taking them. And, you know, it was always the question with Oklahoma, being that they are so heavily dependent on the three, you know, when were they going to finally have a game where they went ice cold? And, Lord, did they pick the wrong time. Yeah, they, they sure did. And But, I mean, Buddy's a good player and all, but when I look at him in the NBA, I just don't think he he's going to be that good. And I think he's overrated a little bit in college. This is a fourth – this is a senior, Johnson. And, and you don't see that much these days anymore, great great seniors. But do you think this guy's going to be a starter in the NBA or be a factor like like a lot of people are saying? I just don't I just don't think he has a complete game. Yeah, he can shoot. Yeah, but when, when he gets to the NBA, he's going to have to do a lot more. And I, I just don't think he can, especially playing four years in college. He's not a, he's not better than what what he should be really. Well, I know Buddy probably could have come out last year and gotten drafted. Um, and, you know, he decided to come back. And you know what? I, I love that he came back. I, I love this whole senior movement. And what we've seen from this tournament is what it does are having been winning a lot. You know, uh, Kentucky can kind of attest to that. Uh, so I, I like Bucky Heald. I think he's a very good ball player. Uh, he actually reminds me a lot of Dwayne Wade. And, you know, let's not forget Dwayne Wade's last uh, last collegiate game was in the Final Four of Marquette, and they got trounced. And, you know, Dwayne Wade wound up having a pretty nice career for being an undersized two guard. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that's Buddy Heald's uh, future. He'll be an undersized two guard, uh, you know, who, who can share point guard responsibilities, but that's not going to be his main position. And I, I think he's going to do wonderful at it. I think he's going to have a nice, long, successful career. I like Buddy Heald's game. I think he translates to uh, this new NBA, which is shoot threes and, and play hard. Yeah, shoot threes, he does. And anywhere in the gym, kind of like Curry, you know, he can do. But I looked at my bracket, man. And, you know, after going 15-1 and one the first day of the tournament and then losing my champion the second day, my bracket went to crap. And this is, this is the first year in a long time that I didn't get more than two Final Four teams. I got one, and I think it was Oklahoma. I mean, how did your bracket look? I mean, who's your champion? Michigan State is your champion Michigan State as well. I had Michigan State as my champion. I had both North Carolina and Oklahoma in the Final Four. Um, obviously, with Michigan State being my champion, I had uh, uh, Michigan State beating North Carolina. I had Kansas beating Oklahoma. So, I mean, I'm not – I don't feel terrible about it. Um, you know, my lead eight was pretty close. I believe I had six of the teams. Um, you know, it was – You know, at, at the end of the day, I was you – know, quite pleased with the way my bracket turned out considering the carnage that happened uh, in the opening round. Yeah, and I, I predicted that carnage in the opening round. The carnage, I didn't. Uh, I was a homer when I picked Kentucky, I'll be honest with you. North Carolina was a team that I should have had in the Final Four, but I didn't. But, but I would have had Michigan State beating North Carolina in the Final Four. 
no doubt about that. Oklahoma and Kansas. I think I had Kansas beating Oklahoma in the final four, so I missed that one. So my bracket's dead. I, I can't get any more points. So I didn't finish dead last, but you know, there's a lot of good people in our bracket that pick. But did, did anybody have a perfect bracket this year? Do you know what? Uh, from what I heard, after the first round, everybody's bracket was busted. I wonder when when was that? When was the last time that's happened? You think? Because usually there's a perfect bracket hanging all the way through the Elite Eight, Final Four. Yeah, that's actually a really good question because you're right. I mean, I, the one bracket I remember, and I've told this story a couple times over the past couple of weeks to some of my friends who don't really follow college basketball, was uh, the autistic kid from Chicago who, and now I can't remember what year it was, but I remember it was a really funky year when he had a perfect bracket all the way up to, I believe, the Elite Eight, and one of the teams that lost the Elite Eight was somebody who got stunned. Um, you know, and it's it's just that's the closest anybody's gotten, and in all reality, because I think he hit all the games after that. So you know, it's wow. it's really hard to do a perfect bracket. In all honesty, if you had the time and energy, you could put one out, but you'd also be putting out over four thousand brackets. Yeah, I don't have time to do that. And if you'd like to call in six four six seven one six five five six four, make sure you press number one if you'd like to get in. We're going to have a caller in a few minutes to talk about some Auburn softball, Auburn number three in the country. Yeah, we're going to talk women's softball. Why not? All right. We talked hockey with you. It made me sick. <laughs> um, we still do that. But, but, hey, today's the opening day of baseball. Yes, it is. I've been watching all day. Baseball. So, so being a Braves fan here in Atlanta, you know, I like to, I like to go a few times. But, it's time to start going early in the season. I will not go once it hits June. I'm not going to a baseball game here in Atlanta once it gets 118 degrees. So um, what do you think of Atlanta Braves this year, Jonathan, honestly? Do you think they've got enough to win the division, or do you think they're going to be cellar dwellers? Because I have a feeling they could be cellar dwellers this year. Uh, the Braves are in a uh, – they're, they're in an interesting spot. Uh, they're rebuilding, in all honesty. Um I think that they've been rebuilding for thirty years. <laughs> uh, I, you know, looking at Atlanta, you know, there, there's an over under their win total for the year. I believe it wound up being sixty six, uh, which is kind of telling on what Vegas expects their season to turn out. Uh, I think they're going to win more games than that. Uh, that this is a team that's they're putting together a really good rebuilding project uh, for you know that, something that I really follow. They've done a great job of acquiring assets, mostly pitchers. In all honesty, um, you know it's they're they're not going to hit a lot, and that's going to be the one bugaboo for them. And that's going to be a team that they're going to have to make moves to acquire hitters. But this is a team that could wind up having one of the better pitching staffs in two or three years, just with the moves they've made, the kids they've gotten. It's uh, it's really it's really something impressive to uh, to to watch. I know there's a lot of Braves fans who are Braves fans who were down in the dumps about it. All I can say is look at the Royals, look at the Rays, look at the Pirates, and look at the Cubs. Uh, these teams have all gone through the same process that those you know the Braves are going through now, and they're coming out smelling like roses time and time again. So it just takes time, it takes some patience, but it'll get there. Well, let's welcome a caller from the great state of Mississippi. Is this Mr. Jess Allen on the phone? 
What's going on, my friend? What's on your mind tonight? Just driving up to Starkville, checking out your show. I'm calling in, talking about North Carolina basketball. Hmm. So, are you a North Carolina fan? I'm not a North Carolina fan. I love the way they play basketball. I love their tradition. I'll follow them every chance I can, but, you know, that's not my goal. But those boys are tough. They can't shoot a three to save their life, but underneath the basket, they can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. They miss, they go over ten from three in the first half, and they get all. That's the problem. You can't out rebound them. So when, when they yeah. do start hitting threes, you're going to get killed. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you what. I think uh, I think tomorrow night's going to be a real big shocker for everybody when Villanova gets destroyed. I think they're going to beat them by double digits. I like Villanova too, though. I like that Diakono kid. He's good. Yeah, I think I think North Carolina double digits wouldn't surprise me. I, I put seven. I said North Carolina by seven. In that game, I just think there's too much talent. And I, I I don't think Villanova can shoot seventy plus percent again. Do you? Oh no, no, not at all. But I'm gonna tell you what the, the interesting part about that game is going to be Villanova's big man. That kid can play. He's a big guy too. Hey, what about coaching, though? I mean, you look at Villanova, they've been waiting so long to get here. This, this coach, I can't even think of his name right now. For some reason, it's, I'm drawing a blank. Jay, uh, he, he, Jay something, hold on. Uh, Jay. Jay Wright. Uh, Jay Wright, yeah, that's right, Jay Wright. Yeah, he's been, he's been, you know, it's been a while since his team made it like this. But, you know, they've always been good. Villanova, one thing about every year they're there, they're in the Big East, they've always played tough. Jonathan, I'll ask you, I mean, this is a big opportunity for him to go down as one of the great coaches. Nobody really talks about him or gives him a lot of credit, but Villanova's there every year. They, they always have a good program. They just don't ever do well in the tournament, it seems like. And I, I sound like an idiot because I told you they wouldn't make it far in the tournament other than the championship. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jay's got a great opportunity in front of him to join uh, Roley Massimo. Uh, who was the coach of the 85 team, the eight seed that uh, won, the, won it all over Georgetown. Um, you know, J- you know, he's got a great opportunity. And I, right now it's just he's got to try and take advantage of it. He's done a phenomenal job this whole tournament and having a great uh, reading of his team, when to sub guys in and out, uh, when to know when they're truly in foul trouble or if it's just been you know, a little bit of a tightly called game. I think Jay uh, is a good enough coach. I don't, I don't think there's a huge uh, disparity between uh, – Roy and Jay, especially since we've seen how Roy has been lambasted at times this year for uh, his really, I guess, inability to have a great reading of his team, especially when it comes to timeouts. Well, I tell you, so who's the better coach, Jeff? Who's the better coach between the two, Jeff? You got to give it to Roy Williams just because of his resume. But look at it this way: I mean, Jay Wright is Villanova. I mean, it's not a big school not a powerhouse. There's not a lot to do like you would at a big college, like a big major college. You know, they don't, I don't even think they have football, do they? Or big time football. No. Well, they do. Uh, I think they do. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's it's not the, the big draw like the LSUs or the Auburns or Alabama or Kentucky and things like that, you know. But I think yeah, the guys get, year I mean, in, year out, like he's got those guys ready. Yep, it's his system, and 
and he brings the right kind of player in to that system to be able to operate. And you don't even want to say the word Auburn in basketball right now. I'm about to grew up when you said that. Hey, but look, uh, I mean, look at LSU. Yeah. They're even worse. We had Ben Simmons to get No, you're not worse. Promise me that. I saw a rec team the other night. I was referee. They could have beat Auburn by 20. So I would have taken a I would have given 20 and, and uh but hey guys, it's okay who knows the rules. I was in a I was the other night and I had to throw an idiot out of a basketball game and um <laughs> one thing that came up was three three seconds in the lane. Okay? So you tell me, uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you. When when an offensive three seconds in the lane occurs, does a player have to have one foot in in the lane or two? Uh, well, from what I've seen, it's really been a debate on uh, who the uh, the ref is. The majority of them will tell you it's one foot. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's what he. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, this guy was telling me, you know. I mean, I mean, this is this is good basketball too. These are this is like the A League here in Atlanta, like basketball. This, you know, reverse alley oop dunk stuff like that. Too bad this guy was didn't know the rules, but. You know, I, I hate having to eject people for, for not knowing rules. And, and to come to find out, the official I was with didn't even know. He agreed with the player. Yeah, that's two feet. I'm, I, and I looked at him, I'm like, really? This actually came out of your mouth. You're an official over here. But, guys, hold on. We've got a caller from the New York area. I believe this is New York, and I believe this is Linda. How you doing, Linda? Linda, are you on? Yeah, I'm here. War Eagle. War Eagle, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, it snowed here today in New York, so I'm not happy about that. Wish I was on the plane. Yeah, I, I, I saw your uh, your spring picture on Facebook with the snow. So, you know, it's it's warm here in Atlanta. It's around 60 degrees. Which, which snow should come next week. You never know the Atlanta, but but how did a how did a, a girl from New York end up in Auburn, Alabama? Oh, that's an easy one. I was stationed at Redstone Arsenal, and every weekend, when there's nothing to do, what do you do? You watch college football. Everybody rooted for the Turds, so I rooted for Auburn. <laughs> and that's well, when I, like I became you a lot. You know that. You don't like me a lot? No, no, I do like you a lot because you were so good as a And I could tell just by that stadium that it was more than a college, that it was a family. And I knew that's where I wanted to go to school and graduate. And you did. And, and, uh, and I know you're a big Auburn softball fan as well, correct? And football, yes. I like how yeah. the women uh, this year are really kicking some butt in sports. I mean, I know gymnastics, basketball. I mean, they're really doing some good stuff. And the, the softball team, if you've paid attention to my timeline, you know I dedicated it to them this year because they are just doing a great job. We got some great pitchers, um, some hot bats, and – I'm hoping they bring the trophy home from uh, Oklahoma. They were so close last year, and 
And just when, when I watch Auburn softball, and, and you tell me what you think, it's it's just a different. It's like a different camaraderie. I mean, there's camaraderie all all places in softball, but but that family word you said, it just it just seems like the coaching staff of Auburn, the players, they're all family, and that's exactly. I mean, they they play for one another, and it's very fun to watch when when people. I mean, same thing in football. Same thing in football. Look at how they greet each other if they had a home run. I mean, you don't see that with other teams. Or the cheering when they're in the dugout if somebody's getting ready to go up to bat. I mean, and I love the hop that they do. And they got that from the uh, science department at Auburn because it loosens up the ligaments in their leg so it gives them a faster start after they do the hop to go after the ball and catch it without doing any damage to any ligaments or anything which I think that was a great idea, I think, to do that. And you don't see other teams doing that. They're always doing stuff to try to improve themselves. And they are. Right now, ranked number three. And I am not, I don't know, did they win today? Did they sweep Kentucky on the road? Yep. I mean, you know, I read online, oh, these women are beautiful, they're beautiful, they're beautiful. Well, you know what? They're also (laughs) very smart because they're all high academic students um, and they can play softball. And sometimes I get a little irritated when everything is said about just how beautiful they are. Or one guy made a comment the other day on one of my posts that women's sports is only good if they're wearing a wet T-shirt. He got blocked. I saw that. Yeah, I saw you. Yeah. I saw you. Uh, you didn't I said, like that comment. Ball, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they are pretty good. Don't get me wrong, but that they can play softball. They're they're very smart, like you said. Tell us about the coach of Auburn right now on the softball team. I mean, what difference did he make from the prior coach, really, that you noticed? It just seems like those are his daughters out there playing. That's how he treats them. And I don't think you see that a lot in college anymore. No, you can tell that softball team is close. I mean, you know, and I've become on Facebook, become with friends with parents and grandparents of these girls, women, I should say. And I think the, the, the newbies this year, the freshmen, are doing great. Coach Myers expected what he's getting from them, and they are really giving 110%. Yeah, and the pitcher, one of my favorite pitchers, you tell me what you think of her, Lexi Davis. I just think she she's not overpowering all the time, but, but probably one of the smartest pitchers I've watched in college. She, she's like the Greg Maddox of, of softball, right? Greg Maddox could put it where he wanted, when he wanted it, and I, I think what yeah. Lexi does. I would agree with that, and I can't, her name is escaping me right now, and I was afraid it was going to happen. But the one that's in the outfield that makes those diving catches, she makes some amazing catches to, you know, get the batters out. And I can't think of her name, and I feel terrible, and I apologize to her. Well, I'm, I'm worse with names than you are, so don't don't worry about it. But, hey, let me let me ask you this. When you came all the way to Alabama, 
what, what I mean, I know you, you're closer to Auburn, but why do you hate Alabama fans compared to the Auburn people? Honestly, they have no class. They're very rude. They say terrible things on our boards. And, I mean, they're always getting in fights. I mean, my God, they poison the oaks. What's wrong with them? <laughs> I just call and them the, the tea baggers. Remember, remember the tea bagger, right? The, the guy at the Alabama band, the, the LSU guy that was passed out drunk in a crystal restaurant. Oh, no, Crystal's is my favorite restaurant in Alabama. They don't have them in New York. Well, let me me ask you, do you have a Popeye's in New York? Yes, we do. Do you like it? And Yes, and we just got a Sonic. I've written Crystal several times, but they have no intentions of coming this far north. So I would have to drive 852.7 miles to the closest one. Not that I checked. Well, that's worth it. Just, that's, that's, a, that's a road trip. Just get in the air. Jonathan, what do you think? That sounds like a, a good road trip for a 10-pack of crystals. Yeah, oh. it's funny. I had family come back from uh, Alabama, and uh, first thing they did when they hopped out the car was, guess what we have, and there's the bag. And like, oh, because we, we don't have crystals in, uh, in, 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 at least in this part of Florida. We might have them in northern Florida. So when anybody goes up north, they always know, bring back a bag of crystal. Oh, yeah, I love crystal. They have White Castle up here, and they belong in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> <laughs> Tuscaloosa doesn't even deserve a crystal. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I'm not, you know, being being born and raised in Alabama, Linda, I, I chose early, you know, Auburn. And, and the reason I chose to be an Auburn fan was because of the way, and some of my family is Alabama fans, God, God bless them, but, but the way their God attitudes are in games, yeah, I don't, I, I try not to talk to them, but, uh, but, but their attitudes about other teams and, and and the egos and everything, it just made me want to pull for the underdog. And at the time, when I remember watching it, Bo Jackson just came onto the scene and, you know, Bo over the top. And it was just after that, it was all off and all the time. And, and every year, I mean, and, and here's the deal. When, when Auburn loses, they have a bad year like the last couple of years. Auburn fans mm-hmm. still show up. They still, they still celebrate. They still support their team. Alabama has a bad year. You don't see Alabama flags flying. You don't see the the Walmart T-shirts they wear all the time anymore. Everything's hidden. It's put away. If they're not playing for a national championship, they don't even care about it anymore. Oh, you mean the 6,000 national championships that they have? Yes, and the 6,000 Walmart T-shirts they buy. Yeah, I know, but they claim they have how many national championships? I don't know. Somebody wrote six thousand the other day online. It's a joke. I think you know Villanova won by forty-five last night. Alabama just claimed the national championship. I don't know why, but but Alabama's always claiming them. But Linda, 
thank you for, for calling in. Please uh, become more familiar with our show. We, we talk college football all the time, as you're about to see. And, and oh, I we do, we do catch baseball and stuff, but, you know, and things like that. But we're college football, NFL. Who do you like in the NFL? Who's your team? Panthers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. See? What's I mean, there? The Panthers I'm a Panthers and an Auburn fan. Everybody's going to have to right. on the East Coast, so my team on the East Coast is Michigan, but I don't even watch them. I don't even own a Michigan shirt. I have a closet full of Auburn clothes, orange and blue. That's all I wear. And it's funny. I'll just take up another second of your time. After we beat them in 2013, I ran into a, I had my Auburn shirt and stuff on. I ran into a guy at uh, a local restaurant up here, and uh, he had on an Alabama shirt and an Alabama hat, and I said, oh, i got to do this. So I went over and I said, excuse me, could I talk to you for one second? He goes, I don't watch football. I said, well, how did you know about the one second then? He goes, I told you I don't know about football, and I don't want to know talk about about football. And he turned around and walked away. He was well, great. I was going to say something else, but it wasn't a better yeah, problem. He did. He did. I've made that joke a couple of times, and it, it doesn't. And I'll tell you this, Linda, real quick before we go. I had a brother-in-law in 2010, if you remember, the 24 to nothing comeback in Tuscaloosa. He did not talk to me for six months. After that, Six and that's another thing. They're such crybabies. You know, if we have a losing season, you know, we don't go around saying, you know, we were cheat. I mean, they have a cupcake schedule next year. We have one of the hardest, if not the hardest, schedules in the conference, and they get these cupcake schedules all the time. Oh yeah, they're Alabama. So, what do you expect? Yeah. Well, Linda, uh, call in anytime you want to. Spread the word up there about our show. We do talk a lot of football. I'm so. going to spread it all over Facebook if you don't mind. No, I'm sure there's all other, would love to other people that would love to call and talk about it. And I'm so glad we got to talk yeah. about Auburn softball. Yeah, anytime you want to talk about anything, feel free to call in. We, we're we're here for you guys, whatever you want to talk about, what we talk about, really. I mean, we're, we have an agenda. We, we have things we talk about, but anything. You can ask Jonathan. We'll even talk hockey if somebody wants to. I don't know much about it, but, you know, we'll, we'll do our best yeah, to let you talk about it. Talk about it. But, but Linda, great to meet you tonight and, and look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you. Take care and War Eagle. War Eagle. Jonathan, very intelligent caller right there from New York. Loving <laughs> Auburn. Gotta love it. <laughs> she'd been an Alabama fan, she wouldn't have been too bright, huh, Brian? Yeah, if she'd been an Alabama fan, she wouldn't have made it past the call to, hello, how are you, you know? She was great, did a great <laughs> job. Uh, I just love, love the point I wanted to drive home with what she said was family, you know? really separates Auburn from a lot of teams, not only in football, but like she said, in softball, gymnastics, whatever. And, Jonathan, you're a Florida State guy. You can you beat us last time, so I can't really say much to you about it. But 
Anyway, where were we on the basketball game? Yes, I objected a guy the other night. I appreciate basketball, but one one thing I told him was he was walking off the court. I told him to get his crap, but I was like, learn the rules and you won't lose by 40 points next time. They were losing by 40 when he, when he decided he wanted to get smart with me as an official, so I tossed him. All right, man. I don't blame you. And and uh, and and one thing my partner did that was under the you know after you call the technical, I'm telling him you got a minute to leave the gym. The other team's shooting free throws, right? Well, the guy mm-hmm. kicked out comes under the goal. They're walking out, and the other referee fist gives him the fist and uh, gives him a pat on the back, and uh, boy, that made me mad. Needless to say, that wasn't one of my most finest moments. Uh, Sportsmanship during the next conversation we had at half court. In the guy, hopefully, hopefully, I won't ever call with him again. If I do, I'll just I'll just walk off the court because he was an idiot, and uh, he's probably too stupid to log on and listen to this show. So don't have to worry about him there. But uh, anyway, Jonathan, baseball is back, and and uh, I know your your Tampa Bay Devil Rays lost today. Not a good start. Uh, it's not over yet, man. The game's in the seventh inning. I thought they lost. Oh, no, 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 no. The only game that's been finalized today is uh, Pittsburgh right. beat St. Louis 4-1. to one. I apologize. Uh, great game, by the way. Great game. Uh, great performance by Francisco Liriano. Uh, Melanson made it a little uh, dicey in the uh, ninth inning, but... All in all, Pittsburgh uh, did what I, you know, I, I expect them to do. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Archer had himself a little bit of a rough start to this game today for the Rays. Uh, we're down 3-1. to one. Go figure. Uh, the Rays are having a hard time trying to get runs on the board. Uh, the season's years change. The offense doesn't. <laughs> well, you're, but I know this. No matter how good or bad the Rays are, you're a Rays fan. And that's what I respect. You don't you don't care about the record as much. You just why is it the teams we pull for sometimes just can't they frustrate us a lot? Maybe we should find different teams. Oh, I've always thought about it. it's funny because the the Rays are a hometown team, so I, I pull for them and I I, I I support them. I go to a lot I, uh, a lot of their games. I'm one of the as a running joke is one of the 500 people in the stands on most nights. Um, you know, but it's funny. I actually grew up a, a San Francisco Giants fan, so I've I've had the op, the opportunity, I guess, if you will, uh, just because they were my childhood team. Um, and, and there's a long convoluted story behind why I'm a Giants fan. Needless to say, they were supposed to come to St. Pete, um, and somehow Major League Baseball decided that wasn't a good idea. I right, go figure. So. Uh, Anywho, so I've been blessed with the Giants, and, you know, those World Series don't mean as much to me uh, because, you know, they weren't home, and it's not like I could go to the parade and celebrate it, but it was definitely uh, definitely something that keeps me a little bit sane uh, when it comes to baseball is knowing that, you know, at any given day um, I, can, I can have the opportunity to turn on the TV or go to a game and know that, you know, at least my team's going to win 50% of the time. Exactly. But, I mean, but really, just to be honest, I know college football is number one, but isn't it a great feeling when you walk into a baseball stadium 
you sit down, grab you a, a hot dog, cold one. I mean, just enjoy baseball. Is, it, is there anything better, really? I'm going to go with no. And, you know, it's funny. When the Rays are on road trips uh, or if they're not playing that night, I tend to go to a lot of minor league games since we do have the uh, the Florida State League down here, which is uh, single A. And I, I do tend to go to a lot of games, uh, the Dunedin Blue Jays, the Clearwater Threshers with the Phillies affiliate. Uh, you know, and it's the Blue Jays is probably my favorite. A, I, you can, it's, it's a $5 ticket. You're sitting right on the, literally right on the railing with first base, you know, six feet away from you. And, you know, you, you, you get your snacks and everything. It's, it's, less than, it's less than 15 bucks, and you just enjoy a baseball game, and it's fun, it's enjoyable. And, you know, that's, you know, one of the things I'm blessed with with living in Florida is that, you know, I can go to a minor league game and have fun, and it's, it's not going to bankrupt me. It's cheaper than going to the movies. Yeah, I mean, you, you're doing something you – I mean, you're just doing something you love, and it's your passion. You're right. It costs to go to a movie and get a drink these days about 25 bucks so you can go to the, the baseball game and enjoy yourself and I, I use that time to, to kind of get away escape work mm-hmm. escape life and just for that for that time I'm I'm just you know for that three and a half hours I'm just chilling out and I do like minor league baseball a lot I do I, I prefer it actually so do I. I find the game to be a little more pure. Uh, it's a bunch of young kids who are just trying. They're trying their hardest to make it. Uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of college football and the case plan of you know the kids. Yeah, they, they're they're not necessarily doing it. For, you know, they're doing it for the money to make in the future. But that's not really their occupation. They're trying to use minor league baseball as a tool to have a career and to be successful. So it seems like there are no off days. And teams never quit. There's, there's always that extra effort to try and win, and, and I love it. I mean, minor league baseball, I think, is baseball almost at its purest form, uh, especially from the standpoint of if you're somebody like me. You hate seeing bad plays. You hate seeing somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, and that's where high school baseball can lose me at times. And that's where minor league baseball, you know, kind of keeps me sane. Yeah, watching high school baseball can really frustrate you. But minor league, those guys are – are so good because they have to make it to that next level. That's a, you know, one, once you get to the pros, you can relax a little bit. Once you find that $100 million, $250 million contract, you can relax. But until then, these guys are playing. You know, they're playing for a chance to, to get up to the show. And, uh, hey, when did, the, uh, when did the college spring game start? I believe the Robin play next week, you know, in Alabama. Uh, I, Michigan had theirs this week. They actually uh, just missed it by uh, missed a snowstorm, you know, actually, by a day. Um, I know Florida State is coming up fairly soon. I believe, actually, it's next week. Uh, so I'm going to go with the basis of Auburn and Alabama is going to be the next week or two. Uh, you know, it's it's great that the spring games are coming along. You know, it, it keeps us as diehard college football fans uh, sane. Because now there's actually stuff coming out that matters, you know. You know, especially from the standpoint of Florida State and Auburn, Alabama, where those three schools have quarterback uh, issues to sort out. So, you know, we're, we're just trying to figure out who's going to be throwing the ball for us next year. And this is that chance for us to uh, get a glimpse of it. Well, let's see. I'm looking for Auburn. Um, I think it may be April 16th. I know Alabama plays. I'm trying to see Auburn. I thought they were on the same day, and maybe it's maybe 
maybe it's not. But let me tell you something real quick. You know, we talked about John Franklin the third, Jonathan, and one thing about Malvon as a head coach, he's new to it really a few years into it. But I really I don't know if you've heard this, but you know how most, most teams in practice you don't hit the quarterback. You know, that's one thing you don't do. They have that red jersey on, whatever whatever color they want it to be. But, you know, this year Starting out the scrimmages and practice, nobody had that jersey on. And I think that's a mistake that, that Auburn made last year. As I think they didn't realize that Jeremy Johnson wasn't as good because he never got hit. And in the spring game, you know, they don't hit either. The quarterback, he's throwing all over the place, doesn't have to worry about getting hit. You saw the Louisville game, he got hit a few times and started making bad decisions. What do you think about Gus Malzahn's decision to say, hey, everybody's Goal, go, contact, let's rock and roll. And I think that's how you really see how good a quarterback's going to be. Don't you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I like that uh, method a lot. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, Florida, they they ran, you know, similar offense under Urban Meyer um, and, and Tim Tebow uh, days. And Tim Tebow always had the, uh, the red jersey. You, you couldn't hit Tebow. And it would aggravate the defense because you're running a read option play where he's a runner. So, you know, you kind of have to give up, you know, essentially give up on a play whenever he has the ball. And Brandon Spikes, uh, this is from the uh, the 2009 championship or 2008 championship. Uh, Brandon Spikes in practice told Tivo, look, you run that play one more time and you, you hold on to the ball and you come at me, I'm going to drill you. And you know mm-hmm. Tim's like, oh, okay, yeah, you won't, you won't hit me. Um, and, and this also led to an issue that they had with the divides in the offensive defense. But you know he's like, you won't hit me. And sure, sure enough, next play they ran it, and Brandon Spikes them just lit up Tim Tebow. And they said that really rallied that team right there. Was there a little bit of a skirmish at first? Yeah, but that really rallied that team because that it brought everybody all in. If Brandon Spikes, you know, will hit Tebow, and Tebow gets back up and is ready to jaw at them, then, you know, we're going to make that run. This is going to be a great team. And, and we saw what happened. I mean, they wound up winning the National Championship of Oklahoma in convincing fashion. So I, I think that getting rid of the red jersey at times can actually be very beneficial to your team. Yeah, and John Franklin III wanting to win this job. And I, I, I heard, you know, you don't get to see the scrimmages, but he hit an 80-yard run. And uh, – that was in a live scrimmage. That was in, I'm going to try to kill you and knock your head off. So, you know, the the guy's fast. You've seen him. He's elusive. And, and you know what? Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about his weight. He has gained a little weight. But if you, it doesn't matter how much you weigh if you don't get hit a lot. If you know how to take a hit or get down at the right time. But Jeremy Johnson and them, I still, from what I'm hearing, not much improvement there. And uh, Sean White, you know, I'm not a big fan of him. So I think it's going to be Franklin the third or the freshman Woody Barrett getting some getting a shot this year. But if, if Franklin the third works out, Jonathan, like I said before, I think Auburn has a real good shot to to make that playoff, especially opening up the season with Clemson, and then they play a cupcake in LSU and A and M. They don't leave home for like six weeks. If they can win those games at home, Auburn's a serious serious contender because what that does is allows them at home, see their, their, their new quarterback gets a chance to adjust the football at home without a hostile environment. Kind of reminds you of Cam Newton, doesn't it? A little bit, getting to play at home, you kind of get it down, and then all of a sudden 
we took it to the road. But how valuable is that that Auburn's schedule this year is a home favorite schedule to start off? Uh, it's very valuable. I mean, that's that's, that's definitely something that uh, you know is beneficial to the quarterback and his growth and development because he's going to not have to deal with uh, the crowd noise to a level that he would in a road game. I mean, if he had to open uh, at LSU. <laughs> you know that's not not exactly the ideal place for uh, for a kid to make you know his second third start. So I, I think that uh, this is going to be very beneficial for John. Uh, I think he's I think he's a good quarterback. You know his his thing was he really just didn't fit Jimbo's system because Jimbo doesn't do the read option. Uh, he never has. That's kind of always been something that uh, he's always you know gone with whether it was Matty Mock or uh, Jamarcus Russell or, you know, Matt Flint. And, you know, we saw at Florida State, even with uh, E.J. Manuel, who ran a little more than uh, any of the other quarterbacks during our time, you know, Jimbo's not, you know, know, he doesn't prefer that kind of uh, a quarterback. And that's where John Franklin going over to Auburn, this system's going to work out better in his favor, and I think you could see results. You know, if Jimbo likes a quarterback, that's always a good sign because, he, you know, he's had – four make it to the NFL, he's had five who've had careers that, you know, were longer than a couple of years and, and were starters at points and, and ponder Manuel, Jameis, uh, Flynn, and Jamarcus. So, you know, he has a great track record there, and I think anytime he's he's on a quarterback, that's definitely a quarterback you want to keep your eye on and pay attention to. Yeah, and, and one thing I've, I've heard about him, he's a very vocal leader already, very energetic, where Jeremy Johnson, you can tell, He's quiet. Nick Marshall is quiet, too. But I think sometimes you need a vocal leader, Jonathan, at quarterback. You need somebody to say, hey, guys, let's get up, let's go, let's go, let's pump up, you know, and, and keep everybody where they need to be. But I'm, I'm ready for football, man. That's what we do at Williams Sports Talk. We do football, and that's what we excel at. Name me some ESPN experts that have a higher percentage of wins and losses than we do, Jonathan, against the spread. Anybody can pick a winner or loser of a football game. But how do you do it when the spread comes into play? That that's what matters, right? Oh, I mean, if you want to make money, that's that's how you do it. I mean, you can't you can't just tell me who's going to win or lose the game, you know. And Scott Van Pelt likes to uh, kind of pride himself in being one of those guys. And all respect to uh, SVP, you do nothing but pick dogs. I mean, let's let's be honest for a second, Bubba. All you do is pick home dogs. So. You know, the day you can pick a big favorite at, uh, at home uh, and, and, you know, get it right is the day that I'll start respecting uh, your picks a little more. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if, I, if I told you I was speaker Sam, but you need Jonathan, that it was just a year I picked all home dogs. It's easy to pick home dogs. Or it's easy. You have to do a certain thing, but you and I look at things a lot different than just being at home. There's a lot more that goes into it. It's called matchups up front. It's, and that's what I've learned over the years, Jonathan, watching football and watching teams. Just because Alabama beat Vanderbilt 56 to nothing doesn't mean Auburn's going to beat Vanderbilt. You know, it, there's all, it's all matchups. And you saw last night it was a bad, bad matchup for Oklahoma. Um, would, would any other team beat Oklahoma by 40? Probably not. But it was a matchup issue, and Villanova found it, and they exploited it. That's where coaching comes in. And that's where I think they have the edge. But, man, are you ready for football or what? Oh, man, I've been foaming at the mouth for football. I mean, it's 
it, it always feels like it's too long. It's just like the baseball off season for me, where you just keep sitting there and you're waiting and you're waiting, and finally when the day comes, you have this whole moment of God. I never thought this day was actually going to come. What do I do? You know, and college football is you know really my true love. Um, you know, it's the only one where you know I, I get excited every day and I'll watch every game out there. You know, a lot of people are like, I only watch my team or only watch, you know, big games. And it's like, nah, I'm the guy sitting there. It's Tuesday night and Akron's playing Bowling Green. And I'm watching the game intently. I'm DVRing it so I can watch it later. You know, college football really is, that's my gin and juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I, I may have to check myself into rehab until, until football starts. I don't know what I'm going to do. But a good thing about it, I started a new job. It's very interesting, very difficult. It keeps me focused, keeps me kind of distracted. So by football season, I'm going to know this job, so I don't have to work as hard and I can get my football in. But um, Auburn picked up a 6'2", 200-pound corner graduate transfer today. I don't know if you get to see that. That's a, that's a big pickup for a defense that's going to be very good next year. Just want to throw that out there. But, Jonathan, what do you think about it? Let's talk a little NBA right and then next time we'll talk some Florida State because Auburn plays next week. They play the spring game next week. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, uh, the the NBA is uh, something I've been keeping my eye on a lot this year. Yeah, Golden State, man. I'm I've just got this sneaky feeling, man. What did you think of of the Boston Celtics going into Golden State, given the first home loss of the season? That's, I mean, how good is this Brad Stevens coach? Be honest. I mean. I'm very impressed with what he's done with us. How bad was Boston when he took over? They were terrible. Yeah, Boston wasn't very good when he took over. Uh, he's done an excellent job. I mean, I'll, I'll join the bandwagon. Brad Stevens president. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's done a heck of a job rebuilding what's going on uh, at Boston. You know, a lot of people didn't think it would translate his uh, success in college to the pros. And I'll tell you what. I was talking to one of my buddies the other day, and I'm like, you know, who does Boston have on their team that you stop and go, oh, that's a really good player. You know, I, I wish my team had him. We sat there for a minute and we thought about it. We go, nobody. There's not one guy in that team that I'd be dying to have. Um, you know, as the, the who's their most important player, Jay Crowder. And you sit there and go, wait, I mean, that guy's like, what, a six man? You know, it's 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 really something else what he's done. Uh, you know, at Boston, you know, a lot of people wrote this, penciled it in as a win. I know I did. I should have thought twice about it. You know, because we forget when Golden State, when they were on that great tear to open the season, they went to Boston, and Boston took them to, I believe, it was double overtime. And that was the game before uh, Golden, uh, Golden State's first loss. The next night they went to Milwaukee and got shellacked. So, you know, lo- looking at it, I, you, know, you knew Boston had it in them to take it down. I'm just trying to figure out what what is it that they figured out about Golden State that no other team really has. No, and, and I'm going to tell you this. They're sitting at the fourth seed right now in the East. I mean, would you be shocked if Boston won the East? I mean, Cleveland, yeah, LeBron's there, but he's one man. I know Cleveland, the Toronto's number two, Atlanta's number three. Boston four, Miami five. That means Boston Miami looks like a first round matchup. I mean, could Boston make the, the Eastern Conference Finals and be a contender in this in this conference? I I do. I mean, Toronto's obviously a very good team. Cleveland, 
you know, we, we know what they got going on there. As long as you got LeBron, they're they're obviously the favorites to uh, to win the East. Uh, but you know, I think Boston's a very good team. They're a sneaky team. That you know, that it looks like you know if they won the first round, they would match up with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I don't know if that'd be a good matchup for Cleveland. Uh, they played in the first round last year in the one eight or the two seven, and we we saw uh, Boston struggle a little with them. That was also the series where. Kelly Olnick decided to pull Kevin Love's arm out of his socket, so you know there's a little bit of that uh, that factor going there. And uh, as far as <laughs> revenge with Cleveland, um, but I think it would uh, would be a great series. I think that could possibly be a seven game. Uh, the magic of the Boston Garden's back, and that's definitely something that I think a lot of people, including Boston fans, didn't expect when this when they hired Brad and when this project of uh, rebuilding began. And all this project does is just tell uh, Philly, look. You know, if if you get the right coach, you can get it done quicker than expected. Yeah, yeah, and that's like I mean, home. This guy's twenty-five and twelve. That's very good right now for Boston. That means you're a Celtics mm-hmm. fan. You're selling tickets. You're gonna go watch your team play at home when you know they got a good shot to win, right? You're gonna you're gonna fill yeah. out the, the the auditorium on the road, nineteen and twenty. That's where. But one of those wins, let's not forget, against the best team in basketball right now. And no, they cannot beat the Bulls. I'm tired of hearing that crap. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Golden State, Golden, Golden State. I have a sneaky suspicion they may not, they may not break the Bulls' record, John. Uh, well, uh, I twice, think San Antonio twice. That's that's tough. I, I think that record hinges on the San Antonio games. Now, if San Antonio, you know, goes in and has a belief that they're locked into the two seed, you could see them rest guys just to get their, their backups, uh, you know, the guys who don't play, you know, 30 minutes a night, some time against these, these guys for, for what I believe will be the Western Conference semifinals and honestly should be the championship uh, for the NBA. Um, now, you know, if they do that, I think Golden State will win those games and that'll get them the record. But that Boston loss really, really puts a little bit of a uh, of a thought into it because nobody really mm-hmm. expected that. It's like in Rocky Four when, when Rocky hit the Russian and cut him. And they're like, hold on a minute, you know. He is he. Mm-hmm. And, and Golden, Golden State losing at home really – it showed me that this team is very beatable. It's just the right night. They're kind of like Oklahoma in a way, you know. They just, but no, they're not like that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But San Antonio is a team I'm predicting to make it out of the West. I don't care who they play or what. And uh, I'd love to see Boston, but I, I still think Toronto can get it done in the East. Nobody wants to see Toronto and San Antonio in the finals. They want to see San Antonio Cleveland, or they want to see Golden State Cleveland. Would you agree? I mean, nobody wants to see anybody else. Uh, I mean, I would agree. I think the true basketball fans would love uh, San Antonio-Toronto series. Uh, I, I really do because it, it would be something different as far as Toronto being there. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Some of the most disliked players in basketball, it's really following the players because, you know, once you have a superstar, you're going to get there time and time again. So, when, you know, some of your most disliked players and guys like Kobe and guys like LeBron, you know, that's where their teams are disliked. And people just don't want to see them anymore. They want to see something fresh, something new. And they also want to believe that that system isn't broken because there is still a belief that the NBA is broken. 
you know, all it takes is one superstar and you're competitive for the next 10 years. And really, if you look at it, just just calling it like it is and being honest, but, you know, it's been LeBron out of the East against uh, – LeBron out of the East for the big three in Boston against Kobe or San Antonio, and now, you know, Golden State looks like they're going to be around for a little while. So, you know, there's really not that many teams who have a legit shot at a championship. So if Toronto were to get there one year, I think you'd, you'd hear a lot more positive buzz, at least from the national media, because they're sitting there going, wait a minute, the NBA model is not what we thought it was. It, the NBA is not broken. It's not dying. It can be fixed, and it just takes true, true team ball. I mean, the greatest series, I think, would be Golden State and Boston, just because they play so much alike. And you have everybody for the first time in their lives rooting for Boston. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell you, teams that are not getting talked about, Oklahoma City and the Clippers, Jonathan, they could, they could be a fly in the ornament, really, in this in this Western Conference. The Clippers, mm-hmm. you know, they have the talent. They have the talent to win it all. So does Oklahoma City. Anytime you have a one-two punch like OKC, you're in every game you play, right? I mean, you're capable of going off and – a 31-9 team at home, 22-15 and 15 on the road, 12-2 and two in their division, 35-12 and 12 in the conference. Oklahoma City is a very good basketball team that's not giving any love whatsoever. Uh, yeah, well, you know, that's, that's the rough thing about being, you know, a team from the Western Conference this year. That's, you know, San Antonio is on pace for the fifth-best record in NBA history, uh, regular season record, and they get talked about, well, about as much as OKC in all reality. So, you know, go, oh, OKC, uh, you, know, gr- you know, the great one-two punch in Durant and Westbrook. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they got a really good big man in Ibaka who's really, you know, stepped up his game, evolved his game, and has become uh, a dominant four uh, and even a stretch four at times. You know, Cancer's proved himself to be a serviceable, serviceable center. And then it's just whoever they throw out there to kind of put it all together like a Roberson. Uh, so, OKC could make a push. They could be very dangerous to San Antonio. I do. I, I, I am a staunch believer. I am telling you right now, the Clippers' record is not indicative of who they are. It's just like Memphis. Yeah. Memphis has 40 wins, and nobody knows how. The Clippers, with their 40-plus wins, that is a sorry team. They are soft. They are pathetic. They need to blow it up. They're not winning a title with that team. That team's a joke. Oh, well, hey, look, they just beat the Rockets by 20. Well, Houston's not very good in them to play defense. They go up against Denver, who plays some defense, and they lose, by, they lose by 10. They go to Memphis, and Memphis run out of skeleton crew with no Basal, no Randolph, no Paul, and they lose to Memphis by 10. I have no faith in the Clippers making any sort of a run. They're pitiful on the road. They're pitiful when they play really the lower-end teams. I mean, Minnesota beat them in L.A. I think the Clippers are a bad team. They're very soft. Would you agree that they're just soft? I mean, Blake Griffin, uh, they act like he's a big, tough guy, but he's soft. Reddick, all he can do is shoot a spot-up three. Chris Paul ditches at the referees the whole game. All he does is DeAndre Jordan's terrible. I mean, but, but, I mean, again, you look at these names, though, those are profile names that should be able to do it. But I would take Memphis over the Clippers. I mean, what new? I know their record's worse, but I, I, I think Memphis is a better team. If Memphis is healthy, even right now with Memphis not being healthy, they've shown to be better than the Clippers. Um, 
I mean, I'm looking at this going, DeAndre Jordan is a better fantasy player than he is a real-life basketball player, and it's very rare you get a chance to say that about anybody. But it's true. He has a high field goal percentage. Well, he doesn't shoot from more than five, five feet out. I mean, DeAndre Jordan does nothing but dunk the dang ball. Uh, Chris Paul, yeah, I mean, he's good. He's pesky. But Chris Paul cannot lead a team to a title by himself. And Blake Griffin is soft. Blake Griffin is soft. He can't play defense. I have not been a fan of Blake. I felt like he was way overhyped way too soon. You know, they loved him because he's a dunk machine. The media loved him because he made a post out of everybody. That's fine and dandy when you're getting paid to be one of the best players in the NBA and one of the best big men. That's, you know, I expect a little more. Now, we saw in the playoffs last year, Blake put together a really nice round of triple doubles. And, you know, I think he can be a very good player but I don't think he can lead a team to a title either. And that's my whole thing. You have a leaderless team. That is a leaderless team with a coach who have got uh, two rings with Boston. Let's, let's, let's call it like it is. Doc Rivers got his rings because he had Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Ray John Rondo. All four of those guys are phenomenal. Paul Pierce the leader. Kevin Garnett's the leader. Ray Allen's the leader. Rondo, I mean, he was the fourth wheel, and he's one of the best point guards in the game. I mean, Boston had a stacked team when they won those titles, a much better team than these Clippers could ever dream to be. Yeah, yeah, and and Doc Rivers sucks. I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade, Johnson. Doc Rivers sucks as a coach, and and Blake Griffin. You know, I think they were better when he was hurt. And, uh, Record proves I, I that. To say, yeah, they were a better team when he was hurt. But well, it's all about there's there's three teams. There's Golden State, there's San Antonio, there's OKC. Either one of those teams, either one could win it, could win that Western Conference. And the same thing that we said about the East, there's probably three or four teams right there. But the Clippers, they'll get bounced in the first round, won't they? I can see that. First round, bye. See you later. Well, you know, it was interesting. Had a conversation and having listened to people. The Western Conference first round is going to be terrible. It is going to be boring. Nobody's going to want to watch it. I, I think you're going to have four quick series. The Eastern Conference, you might have one quick series, but I think after that, you're 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 in for a run because I think all those series are going to be competitive. Charlotte's a very good team. They're one of the best home teams I've seen. You know, OKC, uh, not OKC, you know, Golden State and San Antonio get a lot of love for being a great home team. Let's not forget. Charlotte beat San Antonio at home. And, you know, San Antonio wasn't resting guys, and they beat them at home. You know, Charlotte's a very good basketball team. Atlanta's proven that last year wasn't a fluke. They're here to hang around. Uh, Boston's done really well. You know, I think, honestly, the Eastern Conference is going to be more fun to watch. And I think if you look at it top to bottom, I think the Eastern Conference is better than the West. I, you know, people look at the Western Conference, yeah. and it's kind of like, you know, you know, and I hate to say Probably. it, but it's an analogy. It's just, it's an analogy we used for SEC football for a couple of years. We're very top-heavy with the SEC's best conference. Well, you had three really good teams and 11 that were crap. You know, and that's kind of how the Western Conference is, where it's like, well, we have three dominant teams and the rest are, but don't look over there. Look at the three pretty teams. Anyway, and, that, and that has happened before. You know what I'm talking about in the SEC. Don't come at me like, oh, no, the SEC's top to bottom grade every year. You know what I'm talking about, Brian. You know, so we've seen it before. All right. And that's what the West is. The Eastern Conference, top to bottom, I think is a, be- is a better conference this year. But, unfortunately, I don't think they have either of the top three teams. They're, the top three teams are on the same conference, and that's where your champions come out of. 
Uh, let's move over to the NFL, 646-716-5564. If you'd like to jump on in, jump on in. We're ready for you. But I'm, I'm scratching my head while Colin Kaepernick does not want to stay in San Francisco. Johnson with Chip Kelly. He wants to go to Denver. I know there's, there's supposed to be maybe a deal in place. Um, but, but Colin Kaepernick, isn't this a blessing in disguise that Chip Kelly's coming from San Francisco to run an offense that would actually get him back on the map again. All this guy is a thug that was overrated, and now he's got a chance to be good again. What is he trying to do? See, I, I don't know. I'm with you on that one. I I, I have no idea as why Callan Kaepernick wants out of San Francisco. I mean, you know, he feels like he, he was slighted last year uh, for, you know, being benched for Blaine Gabbert. Well, you know, sadly enough, Blaine Gabbert played better than you last year, Colin. I mean, that, that's that's the, the fact. I mean, the team won more games with him uh, starting. He he had better numbers overall. He's a better passer. I mean, Colin Kaepernick is a mobile quarterback, and he's not going to be successful unless you know he's in an office that utilizes him and his mobility. And you know, he has a big arm. And, and, and this is the offense that is tailor made for him as far as an NFL offense goes. You know, Chip Kelly wants you to throw down the field to big, tall guys, and he wants you to be able to move. Well, I'd be. I mean, you know, that sounds like Colin Kaepernick's offense uh, 100%. So I really don't understand why he wants out. Uh, at the same time, I don't know why Denver's interested in him. I don't think he's going to fit uh, the offense that Gary Kubiak wants to run, which is a bootleg play-action offense. Uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it sounds like if they're going to – if the trade's going to happen, it's going to involve a late, you know, some late picks being swapped. And, you know, if that's the case, then, I mean, you know, Denver's not really doing much other than paying the salary and. You know, after Peyton Manning comes off the books, and they don't—they're not, you know, throwing 18 million to Brock Osweiler. They kind of have the the financial flexibility. Yeah, I, I just don't know what. I don't. If I'm Denver, I don't want to be. The guy doesn't make good decisions. He's not dependable. You had Peyton Manning last year. He's the guy that got you there because he just did what he had to do and let the defense take over. Kaepernick will get you beat. But Johnny Manziel's in the news again. Got a tattoo on his throwing hand. Should, should I call it his throwing hand since he doesn't have a job anymore? <laughs> uh, I think uh, technically that's his drinking hand now. Yeah, uh, so exactly. Think, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's. I think that would be the correct one. I think that that's. Uh, he got a tattoo on his drinking hand. What a joke. What a joke. Johnny Manziel and my wife said it the other day. We were talking. She's like, I remember a few years ago when you said Johnny Manziel was a bust. And I'm like, yeah, I said that about a lot of people. Tim Tebow, too. But it wasn't, I don't. I can't take much credit for uh, saying that Johnny Manziel was going to be a bust. I? I mean, that's kind of common sense, don't you think? Yeah. We, we all kind of saw that one coming. I mean, you know, I, I heard an interesting interview the other day. And it was uh, it was on the Dan Patrick show. It was Ryan Leaf, and Ryan Leaf said he sees a lot of the same things in Johnny Manziel that he saw in himself when he was the same age. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not necessarily somebody who you know you want uh, to comp- you know you want comparing themselves to. So I, I think you know Johnny. I don't think his career is ever going to get back on track. I know the NFL wants numerous opportunities, but honestly, I think the league's done with him. Um, I, I don't think he, he's going to have another shot to uh, play, you know, play in the NFL at a competitive level. You know, he's, 
he's kind of burned that bridge. It's kind of what Tebow did when he fell out in New England, and we saw it with Ryan Leaf when he flamed out in Tampa, and Jamarcus Russell in Oakland. I mean, you know, time and time again, you know, people kind of try to overlook these issues and just look at the pure talent. And the problem with Johnny was every NFL scout was, was going to tell you, you know, he's a more mobile version of Doug Flutie. Maybe the arm might not be as good. You know, I mean, one of his biggest knocks was the fact that he, you know, he had a weak thrown arm. So I, I think, I think we all should have seen this coming. I think most of us did see it coming, and it's just a shame that he got his money and as much attention as he did. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. I just Cleveland again, Cleveland Browns, man. Why do you think they stay at the bottom every year? Because they make bad choices, bad decisions. They don't know how to build the team. And I don't care who you put at quarterback at Cleveland, they're going to suck. I don't care where you put Johnny Manziel, he's going to suck. But um, this draft coming up, man, is going to be going to be boring. I'm just going to say that. But, hey, I forgot to tell you, Florida State plays next weekend. You probably already knew that. So we're going to cover Auburn and Florida State next weekend on the show. In Orlando. Uh, Florida State's on the – yeah, they're on ESPN3. Florida State, Auburn will be on the SEC Network. And really what I want you to watch, Jonathan, for me, since you're not an Auburn fan, you can tell me. I want you to look at the defensive line for Auburn in the secondary. I want you to tell me what kind of improvements you've seen. Look at the offensive line for Auburn. Tell me if there's any concerns. But the main thing, quarterback. Tell me what you think about what you see. I'm hoping they let them hit each other because I don't want to see – I just like to see hitting. If you get hurt, guess what? You got a few months to heal up before the season starts. I want to see who can play in real time, but I'm about to have to cut it. We're about at the 7 o'clock hour. It's been going an hour and a half. But how about we do a show um, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, Jonathan, we'll wrap up this national championship and talk some more, and hopefully I'll get my voice feeling better. I've got this cold coming on, and I'm trying to shake it off, but it's Tear me down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm open. Uh, you know, pretty much any night. Um, uh, I mean, the only thing I'll be paying attention to now at nights really is uh, is baseball. You know, hockey playoffs start yeah. April 13th. I know you don't care, but I do. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, I mean it's, it's going to be a good. Oh, I, mean, I think well, you hey, should. Hey, real, 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 real quick, did you see Quinn's video the other night at another day morning? Well, what, what, hold on. The earthquake video? No. Go to Facebook right now, and I know your friends with Quinn. Go to his page and look at this right now while you're on air. I want to get your reaction. Oh, my goodness. What? you got to watch this. you got to see this. I mean, I could not share this with you. I mean, I couldn't not share it with you. All right. What am I looking for? Uh, something probably last week. Shows a picture of his face in a video. After Notre Dame beat somebody, I don't know who they beat. Creighton or somebody. Hell, I don't know who they played. But and they were going nuts, huh? Yeah, you gotta. Here we go. You gotta see it, man. Now play it. Play it up to the screen so people can the phone so people can hear it. Uh, I can't get my audio going right now. <laughs> Let me try to see. 
Oh, good golly. You can't hear it, though? No. No, my audio's not working right now, but... (laughs) Oh, Lord. Quinn, Quinn, Quinn. Always find the good stuff. You hear it? (laughs) Mm Mm-mm. Listen. I'll have to, uh... I'll have to find, I'll have to find, uh, get near my laptop at some point today. So I know the audio for that one's working. I don't know where it is right now. It's always a, an issue. I'm, I'm going to tag you in it so you can see this guy. I don't know. I don't know what he was smoking that night or whatever. Quinn's one of our callers on our shows. I don't know if he's been missing in action lately. But, uh, man, get your help, man. There is help out there. Go get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, be, be be nice to the young Quinn. He's a he's he's a good one, you know. Um, he's he's one of the few Notre Dame fans that uh, that we know and that we uh, we appreciate, if you will. Well, well, I love Quinn. I wouldn't even say anything about it. But I like to give him. I like to give him grief. You do too. Quinn, that means we love you, man. If we talk about you, that means we like you. There is hope for you after all. He is an Auburn fan, at least. So. Anyway, well, guys, great show, great week. Everybody be safe. Enjoy the national championship tomorrow night. Maybe, possibly tomorrow night, Jonathan, maybe we could do a halftime show or something and see what we're, what's going on in the game. Ooh, I could be, I could be talked into that. I'd like to call the game live, like do it on the radio. Wouldn't that be fun to do a, do a play-by-play during the game? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, be, yeah. That would be fun. But, unfortunately, my wife's out of town this week, and I'll have a Yorkie looking at me barking if I, if I go too long. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a great week, Jonathan. Thanks for joining me, man. Enjoy the baseball and definitely enjoy the championship tomorrow night. Hey, you too, Brian. Look forward to speaking to you soon, man. All right, everybody take care. Have a great week. God bless. All right.